Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Tuesday, April 18th. It is six minutes after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Thank you for joining us. You can follow along on YouTube. Just type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. So here's the question. What happened to Donald Trump? That's what it's, like, it's, it's like a cliffhanger. Who shot Jr.? Right. What happened to Donald Trump? Well, that's the question that is being asked by a super PAC that is backing Ron DeSantis. And in fact, they have debuted a TV ad, and that's the question that they ask in the ad. What happened to Donald Trump? I am always amazed at the amount of money these people get paid given the really crappy product they put out. Like somebody from the super PAC... Mm-hmm got paid to conceive and produce this ad and i'm so disappointed in this ad this ad sucks and technically i guess ron DeSantis can still legally coordinate with these people because he is not a declared candidate for president so for those of you who don't understand how super PACs work um a declared candidate for public office cannot coordinate with the super PAC that was the ruling of the Supreme Court years ago. They, when they allowed infinite money in politics, so they, and that was how the super PACs got formed. When the federal government put a limit on donations to candidates under McCain, I think McCain-Feingold was the name of the bill, then the way around, that was the super PACs. And ultimately, they tried to pass laws against that, and it went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, the federal government can limit money to candidates because they are the federal government and these are federal offices. However, you cannot limit a money to super PACs. So the way around campaign finance laws became to give money to the super PACs. However, the rule was that declared candidates for public office cannot coordinate with the super PAC. So up until the moment you declare, you can coordinate, which tells me Ron DeSantis probably knew or knows or approved the or the ad. people around him yeah. what's in the end. So I'm so disappointed in this ad as a debut ad, why don't we play the ad and then I'll tell you then why can... it sucks. Okay. <laughs> Donald Trump is being attacked by a Democrat prosecutor in New York. So why is he spending millions attacking the Republican governor of Florida? Trump's stealing pages from the Biden-Pelosi playbook, repeating lies about Social Security. Here's the truth from Governor Ron DeSantis. You know, we're not going to mess with Social Security as Republicans. Well, what did Trump say? Entitlements ever be on your plane? At some point, they will be. We will take a look at that. Trump should fight Democrats, not lie about Governor DeSantis. What happened to Donald Trump? Never back down, Inc. is responsible for the contents of this ad. Okay, so so there are a bevy of reasons this ad. I'm so disappointed in it. Number one, there ain't no crying in politics. <laughs> Donald Trump is being mean to me. <laughs> Why is he picking on Ron DeSantis that, and that's, not the Democrats? That's your opening salvo. Is he's <laughs> being mean to a Republican governor? I thought okay, Ron now, is, to be clear, that's the opening salvo from the Never Back Down Super PAC, which is a Ron DeSantis supported Super PAC. Right. Yeah. The opening salvo from Ron DeSantis, he's supposed to be this tough fighter guy. Is there being mean to me? Stop being mean to me. That's weird. Number one. Number two, nobody knows who you are 
nationally compared to Donald Trump. Now, people may know you're the governor of Florida. You're this good-looking guy with a good-looking wife and the kids and the perfect family, and you were the freedom and liberty governor or whatever. But they don't know you or your story. And it's the same thing I said about Jefferson Shreve, who's running for mayor of Indianapolis. Right. And you want to know how powerful this show is. Remember, within a day, they changed their ad. Remember, we talked yes. about it, and within a day, they, they, they changed the ad. You should be only talking about yourself right now. You have this money at your disposal or the pack does it should be showcasing who you are right and whether Ron DeSantis ultimately signed off on this or not that's a weird thing to be going after somebody else when people don't know who you are this early in the contest that's number two number three is the crux of the DeSantis narrative going to be that we shouldn't make any changes to entitlements I knew you were going to bring that up. I absolutely knew it. As soon as I saw that you didn't like the ad, I thought it's because it mentions entitlements and that DeSantis says he doesn't want to change that. I mean, if that's going to be the fight in the Republican primary over who will be more dishonest with the American public about two entitlement entities that are going broke, is that I mean, what are we doing here? If I'm Ron DeSantis, I'd be running an ad saying, yeah, it's going bankrupt. And Trump's being dishonest about fixing it and what's going to happen to it. And I will fix it. Well, in the Never Back Down ad, which is supposed to be a pro-DeSantis ad, they make Trump look like the winner He because he said, well, it's something we may have to look at. Right. To me, it's like, OK, well, at least uh, according to this, at least Trump's the only one who might be willing to admit there's a problem here. But if that's going to be the, ba- the I mean, these are the, these are the, you know, the opening shot, the, the, the you know, uh, the Civil War, you know, or the, the Revolutionary War. Uh, the, what you what do we remember, for, you know, most? This is it. That's what y'all rolled out with is he's mean to me and and uh, I'm not doing anything with entitlements. Really? Okay, so Trump's got his ad saying Ron DeSantis, he's just not ready to be president. So obviously they're trying to counter that. Well, based on this ad, maybe he's not ready to run for president. I don't know about be president, but gosh darn it, Casey. And again, I get Ron DeSantis may have actually not signed off on this. His people may have, but I find it very hard that a super PAC that supports an individual candidate would not have, uh, and legally you can do this right now, Mm -hmm. coordination with the candidate to say, how are you feeling about this? Okay, so the ad began running on March 31st. They have $3 million in airtime. It's primarily running on Fox News Sunday and some digital ads. And one thing I would like to point out, I don't know if you noticed this, but in that spot, they didn't call it the left. They called it the Democrats, which I do think was a smart idea because in this stage, they're trying to say Republican versus Democrat. And they're flat out saying the Democrats. Yeah, just I just but man, what a just you got. You know what I could do with three million bucks, Casey? Make a better spot. I than could that. win the guy the presidency with three million bucks, <laughs> and that's the best you could do. Of course you could. It's twelve minutes after eleven. It is Kendall and Casey on ninety-three WIBC. So a new Rasmussen poll came out, said sixty-one percent of people believe the economy has worsened in the last year. Well, no kidding. And Joe Biden's polling numbers are the worst they have ever been. He's at forty percent. It is fascinating, though, that if you if we take the last election on its face, right, if we accept the results of the last election, of which I haven't seen any provable allegations of election fraud. Now, look, is mass mail and unaccountable balloting 
totally ripe for that? Is it totally at risk of that happening? Did it probably happen in a place like Pennsylvania where they've said it's legal? Probably. But if we're going to accept the results of the last election, the American public, despite hating Joe Biden, is not sold on a Republican agenda, mainly because, remember, we talked about this last year. What was the whole campaign for the Republicans? Biden sucks. The Republicans don't have an agenda. There is no contract with America. There is no elect us and we will. There is no vision for the party. It's the same thing in this state. What is the, other than raise taxes and grow government, Mm -hmm. what is the mission of the Indiana Republican Party? I'm asking out of naivety. Do you know? If I were to ask you, Casey, the, the mission of the Indiana Republican Party is? Well, according to Holcomb, it's his ready program. <laughs> it's his giving a lot of money to education. Oh, he wants to invest like $50 million in trails? Yeah, so, so you're right. So it is take taxpayer money from poor and middle-class people and give it to mega corporations. It is give angry red-shirted lunatic left teachers unlimited supply of money and let's take uh taxpayer tax increases which is the gas tax and the t- the war on truckers the toll increases on truckers and let's build trails yeah that that and there's no there's never any pushback from the republicans so you're right casey that probably is the agenda of the republican party in the state my point on all of this though is that if you think just because everybody hates biden he will not be reelected based on how the ballot uh, ballot laws are working now across this country in swing states, you're dreaming because the Republicans have yet to offer a vision. I, I have, Elect me and you will. I don't know what that is for the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. And if somebody knows, please call our hotline at 317-684-8444. And that's why I mentioned it earlier. More, There are more and more people who are identifying as independents. Because of that very reason, they like maybe a few things from the Republicans, maybe a few things from the Democrats, but aren't identifying wholly with either party. More and more people are waking up to uh, us versus them. But where do you turn? Because look at a place like Indiana. Let's use Indiana as an example. It is so hard for something like governor or U.S. Senate for someone to even get on the ballot to run. They've rigged the system. The third party largely has no chance i mean look at and i know donald rainwater is going to be with us in a couple weeks with a big announcement i don't want to spoil that for anyone um by the way if you want to win you make your announcement on this show (laughs) candidates i'm not going to again i'm not going to tell you listen to the advice of rob kendall but uh, there is a host of people who are lining up to make their announcements on this show in the coming weeks and months because they recognize the power of this show i don't want to spoil it for anyone but the third parties largely have no chance the fundraising, mm-hmm. the ballot access issues, mm-hmm. you know, the, the libertarians do not have primary ballot access. The Republicans, once again, made sure that that was the case with the most recent election. So people look in around and go, where do we turn? Yeah. I am an independent. I don't like either one of these groups, but the system is so rigged in their favor. What am I supposed to do? Voting absentee, leaving it blank. So back to this poll, 61% saying the economy has worsened. And in the article, they mention, okay, economists are saying there's going to be a recession at the end of the year. We've been hearing that forever. And I don't know what you would call it. It's wage, your wages aren't going as far. And even more so now here in Indiana with the property taxes and the gas tax. Your buying power has been diluted. Right. Yeah. That's what it is. So it's not necessarily a technical recession, but it feels like one. And then we're, we're experiencing it now. 
And the Republicans have yet to offer a vision to America. And you're going to see once again what a visionless party they are when the Republicans team up with the Democrats to roll over on the debt ceiling. You, Casey, when I make definitive statements, mm-hmm. as much as people may hate me, when I make the definitive statements, they almost always will come true as it relates to politics because I know these people. And you're going to see it again. The Republicans will get some meaningless spending cuts that aren't going to make any difference. And then they'll walk out and go, look, we got spending cuts, which will be a drop in the bucket compared to the national issues. The party stands for nothing. And that's why they don't win elections. Yeah. 17 after 11, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And speaking of Holcomb, he took a victory lap. And we're going to get into that coming up from 93 WIBC. 20 after 11, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC and some trending audio for you this morning. Mitch McConnell, he was joking on his return to the Senate. He said that being hard-headed serves him well. The Republican leader, and on behalf of the Senate, the leader is welcome back. Are we in a quorum call? We are not. Mr. President. You're recognized. It's good to be back. I want to thank all my colleagues for their warm wishes shared over the past uh, few weeks. Suffice it to say, this wasn't the first time that being hard-headed has served me very well. He's making jokes. It's nice to know he's feeling better as he returns. Also trending this morning, The View, very upset that Bud Light figured out that hiring Dylan Mulvaney was a giant mistake. What are you so angry about? Beer does not have a, I mean, it's not a Democrat or a Republican. It doesn't have, it doesn't have a belief system. It's just beer. and, And the thing is, it's like, I think that these people that were destroying their own beer, which is also kind of dumb. Well, thanks for um, the money. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to add one thing about the whole Bud Light thing. Yes. You know, they've been saying that this was a low-level marketing person who released that. Mm -hmm. And after thinking about it a little bit, that's plausible. You know, these giant corporations work with these influencers all the time across the spectrum. It's possible that somebody that they put in charge of TikTok, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, you've got creative control. Go Mm -hmm. do what you do. And it never made it up to the CEO. So that need, that means that these big corporate they need to have a better handle on that what their social media people are up to. You're, you're actually willing to buy that? But here's no what, way. Here's you're what too I'm, smart for that. But here's the thing though: when you work with influencers, you're supposed to work with influencers who are at least genuine, who seem genuine, right? And an influencer who's tapping into your target demographic. Well, right, right. That's the that's the point. There's no, that's why, and look, I hate to challenge you because you're brilliant, but there's no way they didn't know. There's no way if you want an influencer, Kim Kardashian's an influencer. Mm-hmm. If you, if that's who you, if you wanted an influencer, then fine. They picked a person who is, everyone knows, is 
very controversial. I'm you just, know what you're getting into. I'm just wondering if it wasn't somebody who makes far less than the CEO or any of the VPs. And yeah, you want to run the TikTok account? All right, go ahead. See, Knock yourself out. See what you can do. And this low-level person was like, well, gosh, you know, that Dylan Mulvaney is really popular right now. Let's get him on. No, they didn't pick him because he's popular. They picked him because he pushes a narrative that that person, that woman, wanted pushed. That VP of marketing? That'd be like in my little side hustle that I've got. Mm -hmm. When they hired me, they know who I am. They know what I do. Mm -hmm. They know how I earn my living. They know I'm out there about my political beliefs. It would be like them going, well, gee, we had no idea that you know that Rob Kendall was an outspoken, you know, far <laughs> right wing radical, right? I mean, it, it, they don't do that. They like it because I'm good at my job because I interact with people well. Mm-hmm. The majority majority of people who will come in may or may not know me, but the rule is I don't engage with people unless they want to engage. And if people want to engage, clearly they have a similar system of belief. And they're fine with that. They don't roll in one day and go, oh my gosh, what an egregious mistake. How would anyone have known we hired this guy? No, they hired me because I'm good at my job and it helps the company that I'm working with. And we all understand the rules of how I behave at my other job. Like, this is ridiculous that they didn't know. We had no idea this was going to happen. We we picked this transsexual man who pretends to be a woman who is outspoken and hated by the right and by dudes, and our target market is dudes. Okay, well, let me just add one more thing on this topic. Everybody keeps saying it, that he is walking around acting like a woman, 365 days as a woman. He's actually been saying for the past year that he's a girl, which I think is even more egregious because what does that say to 13-year-old girl? I mean, he is. He's a little pigtails and he his entire attitude is that of a teenage girl not a woman not a full-grown woman so i think that is that is even worse for the teenage girls that are out there well and that's you you just hit on the biggest point that many people are concerned about that is not getting addressed which is the nature in which this guy is presenting and marketing himself Mm -hmm. and i'm not going to use the p word i know what you're talking about though but it is a very uh, it is very scary to a lot of people because of as you said he is presenting himself not as a woman you know uh, bruce jenner caitlin jenner whatever we're calling him now Mm -hmm. is clearly presenting himself As as a woman blair white a woman Right. I mean, they're not women, but they're presenting themselves as grown ass women. They've got the work up top and they've got the, you know, the 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 boobular area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, OK, well, regardless <laughs> what you think of it, they're presenting themselves as women. This guy is marketing himself as, many a times as a little girl, as a little girl. And everybody keeps posting and retweeting pictures and videos of him. You know what? Make him disappear. Quit putting his picture out there. Let's make him invisible. And then he really will have to go away. Finally, before we get into a break, uh, Eric Holcomb is at it again, explaining (laughs) slash selling his budget. Uh, Here he is talking about that $50 million he wants for trails and $25 million for conservation efforts. Through our Next Level Trails program, we're adding a major acquisition to our state's trails legacy. Once completed, the Monon South Trail will be the longest contiguous multi-use trail in the state. 
trails and land conservation are sweet spots for Janet and our dog Henry and me and so many other Hoosiers. Stop. Stop. So I'm, stop. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a thing, Casey. And what? I guess I got to. I got to. So you have the governor of the state mm-hmm. who he knows that almost every homeowner in his state is struggling with crippling property taxes. Mm-hmm. His Republican legislature has one of the highest gas taxes in the state, which was his original signature issue, was the largest tax increase in state history. They're about to raise that again. He has public education caught on camera all over his state, admitting we are indoctrinating little children and lying to parents about it. And his sweet spot for him and his wife and and his dog dog is trails. This guy's fetish with trails. I would love for a psychiatrist, shrink, whatever, to sit down on a couch with this guy and know what sparked this fetish that he has for trails, which, by the way, Casey, are paid for, and he never mentions this. What a gutless wonder. He never mentions that those trails are paid for by the largest tax increase in the history of the state of Indiana. He acts like a trail fairy, like Johnny Appleseed came along and dropped little seeds and trails just sparked up all over central, uh, grew up all over central Indiana. Kind of like the textbooks. I, this guy, I can't wait for him to get out of there. The only thing disappointing is the three people running to replace him are even less inspiring than he is right now. So it's not going to get any better, but at least he'll be the hell out of this state. And just one one last comment about this because we've been sharing some of these PR rollouts that he's had about the budget. His delivery for someone who's been doing it as long as he as he has seems very affected to me. And what do you mean by that? Because you're a professional broadcaster. It's 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 insincere. You what? Can, you, can, you can tell Holcomb? when he's trying to emphasize certain words. Are you? He wants you to what? Feel it. Are you saying that Eric Holcomb is a disingenuous ass bag who is totally full of crap? He just seems so affected. Like, can't, is that what can't you're everybody see through this? I hope no, I'm not the only one. Casey, no way. <laughs> way. All right, we've got an interview coming up. Fred Glenn is going to join us, the Carmel Mayor, and that is on the way from 93 WIBC. And yes, in addition to picking the next mayor of Indianapolis, the other big municipal race on the ballots getting a lot of attention is the uh, the plan to pick the next mayor of Carmel, Mayor Jim Brainerd, not running for re-election. And on the Republican side, there is not one, not two, but three different people who would really like that title. One of them joins us now, Fred Glenn. Fred, how's it going? Good. How are you, Rob? I'm great. Thanks for joining us on the DriveHubler.com hotline. All right, so there's all sorts of drama going on over this Carmel's mayor's race. It's what we expected. We'll get into that in just a little bit. You have said for a long time, and you challenged Jim Brainerd uh, in 2019, you've said Carmel needs to go another direction, specifically as it relates to fiscal responsibility. Tell. Uh, well, fiscal responsibility, uh, right now we got $1.5 billion in debt. Most of it's related to TIF financing. Not all of that TIF is successful. Um, we, we need to do an audit of the CRC. We, we bailed out the hotel. Um, we've had to put tax, uh, new taxes in place to cover all this stuff. We live in a very good community, Carmel, but I just think it's time to do a pivot and start bringing in responsible development instead of taxpayer-funded development. 
uh, and go that direction instead of the direction we're going. And, and I think we're on the map now, so we no longer need to give away taxpayer dollars to induce companies to come here, entice companies to come here. Fred Glenn's our guest, running for mayor of Carmel, Republican. There are three folks running for the mayor of Carmel. We'll get to that in just a second. Let's talk about that, Fred, because you you know you we've seen for a long time in Carmel they have said, well, yes, we spend a lot of money. Yes, the government is from a hotels or reflexive pools to palladiums. We're in all this stuff, but it's fine because it all pays for itself and it doesn't matter. Do they have a point? Well, some of the stuff will pay for itself. It's, it's tax increment financing. So what they do is they take your taxpayer dollars and say, if, if and go to a developer and say, look, if you develop something on this land, how we ask you to, we can provide this amount of taxpayer dollars to pay for a certain amount of the infrastructure before you have to build the building, which will save the developer quite a bit of money and it's quite an enticement. Most of the development that they do, though, is not profitable, and that's why they got to do it that way. And we don't know if this is going to work long term because we have not been doing it that long. Uh, this is not, uh, you know, I mean, I, I would say that some of it works, but some of it doesn't. And, and uh, you know, we can do this without using those taxpayer dollars because some of those TIF dollars have not worked out for the consumer or for the taxpayer. And other, some of these TIF projects are being paid for by the taxpayer. We've got something called a special benefits tax in place. So not all of it is going to pay for itself. And eventually we're going to have to pay, pay the bill. There's a lot of people, though, in Carmel. Look, elections are uh, for public office are just like elections for high school class officers. They're ultimately kind of popularity contests. And there's a lot of people in Carmel who really like the stuff. And, and you and I might look at that and go, boy, the government's in a lot of areas it shouldn't be. But ultimately, it's for the folks to decide. How do you make this case when, for whatever it's been, 25 years or more now, you've had Jim Brainerd, who has been bringing the stuff. How do you tell the people, hey, wait a second, maybe we shouldn't have all the stuff? Well, for the first time in a long time, the two biggest issues that are concerning to the voters that are that will vote in this primary are debt and overdevelopment, uh, specifically when it comes to population density. And I'm not saying that I don't like Carmel. I wouldn't be running if I didn't like Carmel or I, you know, I, if I didn't like some of the stuff that's going on. Um, but I'm just saying, look, it's time to take a little bit of a pivot. Uh, but like I said, compared to four years ago, voters are very concerned about debt and they're very concerned about uh, overdevelopment, especially when it comes to population density. So I think the message is there. And I think that we you know, our message is resonating with those voters. Uh, Fred Glenn, our guest running for mayor of Carmel. Look, I think Carmel, especially with the decline of Indianapolis, the importance of Carmel, and that's why we're more than willing to to have you on the show. By the way, uh, full disclosure, we did reach out to the other two candidates, did not hear back uh, from them. They are welcome to come on the program if they'd like. I think Carmel's very important because, Fred, with the decline of Indianapolis, a lot of stuff now going to, to Fishers, to Noblesville, and certainly Carmel. Carmel's really a, a high-profile economic player in the state of indiana yeah yeah it is and, and we got a lot of people that want to come here uh we got uh safe we got really good uh safe uh, community we got still got good schools i know that there's been some controversy and we're we're trying to get different candidates to run in this type of stuff but uh we got good schools uh you know this is a good place to raise your family and we're starting to get entertainment options downtown just like fishers is so, I mean, there's a lot to offer uh, people that are, that are coming to Carmel. We just want to say, hey, when you come here, uh, realize that, that there's a reason that, that things are this way. And it's because of the way that we've been doing things for so long when it comes to public safety and that type of thing. Uh, so I think you're right. It will become more and more important. Hopefully, Indianapolis doesn't decline that much. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're, we're on the map now, Carmel, that's for sure. Joe Hogsett is doing his absolute best to hand you development, uh, Fred. So hopefully you guys will, somebody at least, will take advantage of it. Uh, if you need a warehouse or a single 
single-family, high-density housing unit, uh, Brownsburg's the place for you. But if you need something nice, Carmel or Fishers or Noblesville seems to be the place uh, place for that. All right, so let's let's talk about the drama in this race. You got two other people you're running against, and one of the there is that but now been allegations against one of these candidates that he's essentially like strong-arming people, going, "Hey, if you want to do business with this town, you better be voting for me because if I found out you didn't support me, well, you're out of here." Did I did I uh, uh, describe that properly? Well, those are the accusations, and the reason that those came out is because two of the candidates they're running. Uh, one's been on the city council for 12 years. The other's been on the city council for 16 years. And 90 to 99% of the time uh, with those two candidates, they've been aligned with the current mayor. So they travel in the same circles. So if one person was able to get those developers to developers, vendors, contractors, and that sort of thing to only donate to him and then say, look, if you donate to her, then you will not do business at Carmel anymore. That basically chokes her off from being able to raise as much money as him. And that's why she's upset because they travel in the same circles and they go to the same people for donations. The reason that I wasn't very vocal on that is because that's not the people I'm going to money going to, to get donations. Most of my donations are, are from people, uh, everyday people from Carmel that, that just want good government. So that's why that drama is there is because those two are fighting over the same group of donors that do business with the city. And she mentioned that fact that they were threatened and not able to donate to her. Those are the accusations. But, I mean, that people need to understand that's the only reason that came up is because they're, they're, they got almost the same platform and they're fighting over the same donors. Yeah, you know, this race is really interesting because there's three of you running. And as you said, the other two are at least politically kind of really aligned with the mayor. The mayor did endorse one of them. Um, but but if you're somebody who is because the, the kind of the 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 uh, abil- inability, that's what I was looking for. The inability to get rid of Jim Brainerd has bothered conservatives in Carmel for a long time. This probably gives them the best chance, right? Because these two, the other two politically are probably splitting, maybe not 50-50, but they're splitting that traditional Carmel Republican, Jim Brainerd, liberal Republican vote, you're clearly the most conservative person in the race. Well, the thing is, too, it, it, what's also worth noting is in 2019, I run on a platform of serving the taxpayers, serving the community, and keeping Carmel beautiful. It's not like I'm running to tear anything down. Uh, and, and, you know, it's a practical thing. With, with And the conservative stuff we're talking about is fiscal conservatives being careful with taxpayer dollars. In 2019, that resonated more than any other candidates ran against him. We got the most against that mayor that anybody ever has, which is probably the reason why he's not running now. Um, so I, it, will they split the vote? That's the conventional wisdom amongst some people, but we're not we're not out there with that message. We're out there with a message that saying, hey, we are different than them, and we you do have another option. And I think that it'll even resonate more now than it did four years ago. But yeah, they're definitely running the, almost the same platform. Fred Glenn, our guest, running for mayor of Carmel. All right, Fred. So what what is the what does the final couple of weeks of the campaign look like? Obviously, early voting has started. People can cast their ballot at any time. I assume you're just sprinting to as many doors as possible uh, because let's face it, with three people running, if you do as well as you did in 2019, you're probably the next mayor of Carmel. That's got to be at the, the forefront of your thoughts. Well, yeah, and, and I, but also in, in the last two weeks, things get a little bit strange, that's for sure. Like in the debate we did, I was told by several people that watched the debate that I did well, uh, making my case to the voters. And one of the things that I mentioned in the debate was um, bringing in an outside audit. Um, and I mentioned things like um, zero-based budgeting. And then all of a sudden, one of my opponents put that on her platform 
<laughs> put a mailer out. <laughs> so, so there was a mailer in the mail yesterday for, from, from uh, uh, Councilwoman Finkham, Finkham that had my platform from the debate on one of her mailers. So, you know, that's the type of weird stuff you see in the last two weeks is, is that type of thing where people want to shift their views all of a sudden at the last minute to try to get new voters. And, that, and that's fine. But I, you're right. We, we need to sprint out there. We got a good message of fiscal responsibility. We got a good uh, message of preserving neighborhoods. We got a good message of saying downtown, look, we don't have to keep packing in density of mixed use development. We could focus on entertainment and dining options for our entire community and focus on neighborhoods and fiscal responsibility for the rest of the city. Um, so I think that that message will resonate in this last two weeks. But, yeah, we got to get that to as many people as possible. Yeah, again, in fairness, we did reach out to both of the other candidates. We have not heard back from either one of them. They're welcome to come on the show. I got no dog in the fight. I don't live in Carmel, but I do think Carmel's super important. Fred, we'll get you out of here with this. Uh, have you secured the most important vote in Carmel, that being the vote of Tony Katz? Um, I Tony Katz, I don't know. I You know, he, if I went and asked him today, I'm sure he would not tell me. <laughs> he would not. Tony Katz, if you went and asked him, if, if I went and asked him, he will not disclose who he's voting for. So I, I have no idea if I'm getting Tony's vote at all. I hope I would get Tony's vote. I think that we share a lot of the same, um, you know, the same views when it comes to taxpayer dollars. And I know Tony likes living in Carmel. I do, too. And it's not like I'm trying to tear anything down or that type of thing. We need to keep Carmel beautiful. But we need to pivot on development, do it in a fiscally responsible manner going forward. And I think Tony would share that view as well. All right, Fred, if people want to learn more about you and your campaign, how can they do it? FredGlynn.com. And I want to remind everybody that early voting has begun. If you agree with our message, we need you to get out. Because a lot of times people that agree with that message don't get out in the primary. Early voting has begun at the Judicial Center and at the Hamilton County Fairgrounds, as well as in Carmel at the Wilfunk Pavilion and Jill Perlman Pavilion. So you can vote in all in those locations, locations early right now. All right. This week. all right, Fred Glenn. Thank you, my friend. Good luck. Thank you. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. The is is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Before we get into our last segment, wanted to give everybody this update. Jim oh. Banks tweeted this out about an hour ago. Yes. He said that he received his honorable discharge papers from the U.S. Navy last week. He went on to say that serving our country in uniform was the greatest honor of his life. So congratulations to them, no matter how you feel about his politics. I think it's important to recognize those who do serve our country. Oh, I agree okay with that. With, I, no, okay no, with I, that? No, no, no. I, look, I've said that many times. I think Jim Banks, uh, just like Pete Buttigieg, should totally be saluted for willing to put the uniform on. And Jim Banks voting for Kevin McCarthy 15 times or bailing out on the House after he lost a leadership election because I'm not going to use the word obsessed with power to run for Senate, has nothing to do with his faithful service to our country. Okay, so let's uh, play another round of what in the world is Biden saying? So he, this was him getting back from Ireland. Mm -hmm. And... Well, we'll just play it, Casey, and I'll see what stands out to you about this audio from the President of the United States. Okay. Look, you all came from somewhere, <laughs> and both, unlike my Secretary of Interior. Um, but uh, anyway, it, it was a, it was a good sad? trip. Anything stand out to you on that, Kate? Would you like to hear it one more time? Sure. I mean, maybe you missed it. <laughs> uh, again, here is the President of the United States. Look... You all came from somewhere, <laughs> and both, unlike my Secretary of Interior. Um, but uh, anyway, it, it was a, it was a good sad? trip. 
<laughs> Secretary of Interior materialized out of thin air. Poof! There's a person. We all came from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Unlike mm-hmm. my Secretary of the Interior. <laughs> yeah. What does that even mean? Well, he he just came back from Ireland. Uh-huh. Which is where he's saying that his roots are from, right? His Irish heritage. Uh, uh-huh. And the Secretary of Interior is a Native American. Uh, uh-huh. And so we all came from somewhere except for, I don't know. Boy, you're stretching. <laughs> I'm trying, And I give you credit. You're, tr- you're trying I'm to really make it work. Trying. You're trying to make it work. I Maybe he just is not a fan of the Secretary of Interior. He's just slamming. I don't know where they came from. It hap- alien. It happens almost daily with this guy. <laughs> where he's, look, every person has the thing. And, you know, over the course of three hours, five days a week, uh, 15 hours we're on. I'm sure somebody at some point each week goes, wow, that's kind of didn't make a lot of sense. Or you didn't say that right or whatever. But this dude, almost a, on a daily basis, mm-hmm. says the most bizarre stuff, Casey. And that little laugh. <laughs> or it's, you don't even, it's not that he misspoke. It's, I don't even know what he was trying to say. I don't even know what he was trying to say, Casey, and this happens. It seems like on a daily basis. This is the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Kamala did the same thing. She was at an Al Sharpton annual conference. Uh-huh. And I don't know what this means. I, I am unfamiliar. I'm going to have to pull out the Urban Dictionary oh. to see what it means. But uh, she said, don't fall for the okie doke. These so-called leaders dare to tell us they are fighting for our freedoms. Don't you find that interesting? Some have gone so far as to name and brand their agenda the, quote, Freedom Blueprint. Don't fall for the okie doke. Don't fall for the okie doke. She's ripping on Ron DeSantis, clearly. Don't fall for the okie doke. And that, what is that? Okay, well, the Urban Dictionary says that it's intentionally misleading agreement or consolation communicated with the intent of lowering the guard of the subject and acting in opposition to said agreement. Okay, but if you're... Kevin and I were talking about this yesterday. I don't think you were in on this conversation with us off air. Mm -hmm. If you're a senator or a congressman or a vice president or president or governor or someone of high power and profile as a leader of, of a state or a nation, does it serve you well, to pull a phrase from our past, the people... What the average person would not be intimately familiar with or understand. Right. Who look, think about know the effort you. We do a radio show, so we looked it up. But the average person is going to have no idea what you are talking about. Yeah. I looked it up. I still don't know. Uh, what? These are our leaders, Casey. One. This should not be happening with the people who run our country. One is saying they don't know where the Secretary of Interior came from, and the other is saying don't fall for the okie doke. Whatever. I don't know. Said like a true broadcaster. I don't know. Hey, I'm glad you made it back in one piece today. (laughs) Where were you at, by the way? I have no idea. Uh huh. We'll get into that later. Another time. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Kevin. And thank you for listening today. We're going to count on you to be back here tomorrow. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.